Fundamental Life Podcast. My name is Matt Arnold, and this is uh, our first time at a podcast, it's something like this. Uh, as far as being professionals and talking into microphones, I talk in a phone every day. It's just not a microphone, and it's kind of weird to uh, not have anybody feed feedback as far as uh, questions and answers and things like that. This is uh, Steve Saxton. We're stoked to do this. We've been thinking about uh, getting on the podcast for quite a while now, basically because we see there's a lot of questions that um, just are unanswered when it comes to rates, mortgage, life, how to protect your credit, just a lot of different things. So we're excited to kind of jump into some of those questions, talk about it you know, a little bit more in detail. Um, we're stoked to have Marcus as a friend and uh, use his expertise from the last 15 years or so um, and uh, kind of guide us through the process. Um, I don't know where we start, Matt. I think that the big hurdle right now in our industry is rates, like what the crap is going on with rates. Absolutely. And I think along those same lines is what you were just saying about uh, um lack of education you know and like i think really that's uh as i sit here and we, we started talking you know we, we originally i was like hey we need to tell people what's going on with rates but ultimately i think that we can talk about all kind of different things but uh when i look at the financial world right now and the lack of education that people have as uh consumers you grow up in school they never teach you how to get a mortgage. They don't teach you how to pay your bills. They don't teach you like how to protect your credit. So along what you were just saying, I was like, dude, that's where we should start is start at the basics. Yeah. Start at the, here's, here is, uh, you know, your basic addition subtraction in mortgage and finance. And, you know, we moved down the road later. I feel like, you know, discussing why rates suck. Um, is more like a calculus type situation or, you know, uh, talking about, you know, uh, all those types of things. It's, let's just start at the basics. Well, I think uh, as a consumer, uh, whether you're a homeowner or not, I think it's a dream for everyone to have their own crib. And, you know, me, I'd be cool to live in a Sprinter van and just kind of ride my bike and hang out. But most people want to own a house, at least my wife does. So, I think it's nice to know kind of what your options are. And so as a consumer, I think they look out there and they see, you know, how am I going to buy this home? They see banks, they see all these different options. So just to kind of break it down for those who are listening, there's banks, you got your Wells Fargo's, you've got, you know, here in Utah, you've got your Zions bank and things like that. But then you have non bank lenders and you may see some of those uh, like a Quicken loans. Okay. If you watch the Super Bowl, you see Quicken. That's a non-bank lender. In other words, they don't take deposits. They're a mortgage lender, but they're not taking your deposits. They're borrowing you money with borrowed money. Okay. And then you also have brokers. Now, we are a broker. Why do I think brokers are the best? Go ahead and answer that for me. Well, we have options. You know, you're not married to one thing. It's almost like being a polygamist. You know, and the fact that we're from Utah, I can make that joke. You know, having multiple wives and different things like that. You have a choice. Um, you don't have to eat Cheerios every morning. And so 
with a mortgage broker if it's a smorgasbord of options. Absolutely, it's like uh, I don't even know what a smorgasbord is. I don't, you know, it sounds cool though. Yeah, I'm gonna look that up. Well, it's a, it's uh, you know, along those lines, it's like a, a salad bar. And let's be honest, like there's a lot of things on a salad bar that I do not like, and like garbanzo beans. I don't know how you guys feel about garbanzo beans, but they will never enter my mouth again. And mostly it's, uh, I'll show you straight, it, it's because they start with the same letters as garbage. And like, for <laughs> me, it's like, you know, hey, like, it's, I don't know. I got a certain level of aesthetic professionalism when it comes to my food. And if it starts with garbage, it just, I don't know. Anyway, I digress. So a mortgage broker, we can choose. We're not married to one set of guidelines. So like you go to Wells Fargo, it's like these are Wells Fargo's guidelines, period. If you come to us, we can say, oh, well, those are Wells Fargo's guidelines. Those are America First guidelines. Those are Zion's guidelines. Well, that's okay. We're set up with 40 of the nation's top lending institutions, which gives us options. Yeah, and by the way, it's just not, I don't want to make this just about us. I don't want to make this just about our company. I don't care if you live in St. Louis, Florida, Maine, it doesn't matter. Like, if you want to have options, okay, you go to a you know a, a food truck, okay, you've got one option. But if you go to a food truck park, there might be six or eight different options for you and your wife. Your kids might want ice cream, right? Same thing with a broker. And it doesn't matter where you live. A broker is going to give you the most options. But to Matt's point, um, I don't like garbanzo beans either. They're cheap. Brokers, you're going to find the best loan available at the best price. And I, I open this up by talking about rates, but really not only do you get the options, but you get the best price. Generally speaking, it's the quickest um, conduit to, uh, I don't want to get too analytical or technical, but Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Ginnie Mae, FHA. These are terms that, you know, if you're an American, you've heard these terms kind of thrown around a little bit, right? Well, when the loan gets written by a non-bank lender or a broker or even a bank for that matter, it's being guaranteed by one of those agencies, 99 times out of 100. It's being guaranteed by one of those agencies. The cost for a broker to do business is substantially less than a bank. So they don't have to charge you as high in rates, which is great. You get a better loan. Doesn't everyone want a better loan? Cheaper payment? Nobody wants to pay full till. They want it for less than invoice. Absolutely, and that's... That's why we don't have a bunch of mid-level managers. We don't have, you know, um, we don't have to worry about, like, somebody overseeing everybody. And, like, you know, those people, the senior vice president to the president of the senior. And it's like, you know, we, we've gotten rid of, we don't have any of those things. And that's the great thing about brokers is they they have that that freedom, but that price and and there, eh, there's a lot to be said. Brokers are, are are better. There's just, and if you look online, you know, like Steve said, no matter where you live, um, because we don't do business in all fifty nifty. We only do business in two states. Period. Um, and because of that, like you can get online and look. There is a there's a website. It's called Brokers Are Better, and uh, you can just pull it up and find a local broker. And these brokers are are monitored and they're uh, rated. So you can get on there and actually find good 
brokers, people who are committed to having a career as opposed to you walk into any bank and a lot of times the guy that's writing your mortgage just finished writing a car loan. Yeah. Yeah. Or signing some up for a checking or he's not an expert basically is what it comes down to. Um, I think, you know, can we get technical sure. for, for a second? I like tech. I like tech. Okay. So it's May 5th right now. And we're like smack dab in the middle of this coronavirus pandemic. Okay. And it's sad. A lot of people have uh, loved ones who are sick. A lot of people have, uh, have maybe lost loved ones. Uh, a lot of people are out of a job and it's really, really tough uh, on our economy. It's tough uh, to see loss of life. Um, but when it, when it pertains to our industry, I think it's worth a conversation around what it's actually done to lending. Um, so there's this thing called a forbearance. And if you own a home, you've likely heard of this. Okay. So with a forbearance, uh, the government, when, when everyone started losing their jobs, when people were getting laid off, when restaurants were forced to close, um, you know, people couldn't make their mortgage payments. And so the government came out and said, hey, you can call your lender, doesn't matter who it is, could be Quicken, could be United Wholesale, could be SPS Servicing, Loan Care, Mr. Cooper. Yeah, that's what I was going to throw out there. That's like my favorite one to name is Mr. Cooper. <laughs> so Mr. Cooper used to be Nation Star, then they changed their name to Mr. Cooper, and everyone was like, what the crap? This doesn't make any sense. Who's every, this Mr. Cooper guy? Every time, every time people call. Is this is this legit? I mean, am I supposed to be paying this guy, Mr. Cooper? Is that really a mortgage company? <laughs> What's his first name? And I'm like, listen, it's like when Shopco rebranded themselves. It's like, you know, Nation Star had a little bit of a, you know, whatever. And so here you got Shopco. They got rid of their big signs. And now it's like Shopco. Yeah. It looks, it's exactly the same on the inside, but it looks fancy outside. So the government came out and said, hey, you can call your lender, Mr. Cooper, and you can request a forbearance. And basically what a forbearance is, is, hey, I'm having a difficult time making my payments. I would like to not make my payments for the next three, six, or 12 months. And the government forced lenders to allow that option for homeowners. And it's, it's, it's really a great thing. There are people that need that relief that don't have 500 bucks in their bank account, all of a sudden their income gets tapped and it's a, it's a problem. So the government comes out and they say, hey, you can call your lender, request a forbearance. Some people need it. A lot of people have abused it is what we found out. And as of this morning, the statistics on that are about 7.4% of homeowners that are on a conventional loan have requested forbearance. 10.8, just under 11%, of people on FHA loans have requested forbearance. So that's a significant number, massive number. Um, what does that do to servicing? Those lenders who are servicing those loans, the Mr. Coopers, the Nation Stars, the United Wholesale, the Quickens. Well, when your loan is written, it ultimately, that money's come coming from a hedge fund. It's coming from a mutual fund, a real estate investment trust. It's not like Quicken has trillions of dollars. I mean, don't get me wrong. Dan Gilbert's loaded. I know he owns the Cavs and everything, but, you know, he doesn't have trillions of dollars. So he has investors on those mortgages 
And those investors are going to get their payments. It doesn't matter if the homeowner makes his mortgage payment or not. The end investor is guaranteed to get his or her payment. And so when a homeowner doesn't make their payment, that servicer is required to still make that principal and interest payment to the bondholder. Okay. And so what does that do to the servicer? Well, usually when someone requests forbearance, you know, maybe there's a, a flood in Louisiana or an earthquake somewhere across the country. It's usually regional. It's usually a small number of homeowners. And the government comes in and says, like St. George, for example, in Utah, eh, we had the big flood. They didn't declare it a national disaster, but had they declared it a national disaster, um, it would have, you could have requested a forbearance and got away with it, right? So now we have the entire country in one month. And 10% of homeowners are requesting forbearance on the same month all the way across the country or the world, so to speak, because this is a worldwide thing. But what that does to rates is um, it creates a major problem because that servicer has to cover the principal and interest payment to the end bondholder. And when it all happens in one month, I mean, I've seen models and estimates into the hundreds of billions of dollars. And frankly, those servicers don't have that kind of money. It's almost, um, it's almost like the servicers are the homeowners. They just got laid off. They're not taking in the money, and so, but they have no ability to get a forbearance for themselves. Right, right. And so the Fed has stepped in and, and offered some assistance through what's called a credit facility to kind of give them money to help them through that. But the end result, I mean, none of this, people are probably listening like, where is this going? This is a bunch of crap. We don't want to listen to it. We don't care about this, you know. But what it's done to rates is if you follow the rate market or if you are financially savvy and, you know, at a fifth grade level, you know that 30-year rates follow the yield on the 10-year bond. And if you look at the yield on the 10-year bond right now, it's at about 06 is that right? I think so. Give no. or take. I mean, it moves, but 0.6. If you look at that and where historically rates have been, we should see rates maybe in the twos, yeah. you know, two and seven eighths, two nine nine, three percent right in that arena. Um, and they're not. They're, you know, I've got clients and they're like, hey, you know, I heard rates are down under in twos on a 30 year fix. And I'm like, well, I don't know who told you that, but they're wrong because rates are actually three and a half, three and three eighths. So they're, in my opinion, they're three-eighths to a half higher than what all the historical data has shown. And the reason for that are these forbearances because lenders know that they have to build in additional profits to cover those loans that, you know, essentially are going to go bad. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to explain that. And it's hard to like, you know, because... It is. It's disappointing. It's like waking up on Christmas morning when, you know, you wanted the new Nintendo 64. I'm going to date myself on that one there. And you run downstairs and, like, there's been a box under the tree, and it's the perfect size. And then you open that bad boy up, and what do you get? Socks. And you're like, socks. And you're like, this sucks. Were they stance socks? No. No, my my parents, they just bought me the old school tube socks. Like the know. stretched out cotton. Yeah. yeah. Nobody likes those. Oh, they're terrible. So, and and that's that's how it is when people call. And 
they're so disappointed because it's like, I heard rates are in the twos. And it's like, I'm sorry, they're not. I couldn't afford the Nintendo 64, son. You know, things been tight this year. And so it's like, I don't care about how tight they are for you, dad. Like, I care about the fact I ain't got this Nintendo. And that's the whole situation when people call in and they're like, hey, I want, I want my rates in the twos. And I say, I'd love to give it to you, but I can't. And that's, that's the whole thing with uh, what's going on in the mortgage world is I would love, I would love nothing more than to give you the lowest rate possible. I would love, and we always do. That's what, that's what our job is. That's why we shop things out. That's why we have 40 lenders. We do it because we want to take care of our client. It has nothing to do with, oh, I'm going to make more money. In fact, they changed that law. You know, let's talk about that. Can we talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. It's the elephant on the, yeah, let's, come hey, on, you, let's get it down the open. Let's talk about, you know, being a broker as opposed to a bank or a correspondent or whatever. I get paid the exact same amount on every transaction, regardless of what type of loan you take. So if you do an FHA loan, conventional loan, fixed loan, adjustable rate, 15 year, 30 year, doesn't matter. I get paid the same exact amount and it cannot deviate. Like I can't make more, can't make less. It's just set in stone. Banks, they can change that. Banks can change that. Non-bank lenders can change that. And so another caveat to, you know, to being a broker and using a broker for your financing is <laughs> basically you're not going to get screwed. Yep. And, and you know, you can have a, a bad loan officer and trust me, they're out there. Um, but you, you can't, they can't crank the rate on you to make more money. There's no, there's just no way to do that. It's not possible. I got to give my favorite quote. Are there hidden fees? <laughs> no, how, I, I can't hide any fee. Yeah. I'm a broker. It's all right here on this piece of paper. Well, you know, and some some listeners may be older than us. Prior to 2008, eight nine, when the we had the housing meltdown, like you could, you know, there were people that were really getting screwed. They were getting really, you know, I don't want to be vulgar because I don't know who the listeners are, but they were getting shitty loans. Oh yeah. And there's just no other way to, to put it. Like they were just not uh, great loans. They were cranking the rate. They were giving them adjustable rate mortgages with prepayment penalties. And um, that was really, really prevalent. And now with the Dodd-Frank, Frank Dodd, Dodd-Frank? Dodd-Frank. Dodd-Frank. Dodd-Frank, Bill. I always I always get it backwards. Bonnie. Yeah, Bonnie Frank. <laughs> they, uh, they changed that uh, around so the compensation is fixed. And that's done to protect the consumer. But- when it initially came out, all of us in the mortgage industry were like, oh, man, this sucks. This is really not good for us. But it's actually been beautiful because it's so transparent. There's nothing hidden. You want to know how we get paid? I will literally write it down and show you how we are compensated. And when you go to a bank, um, you just don't have that transparency. When you go to a non-bank lender, you don't have that transparency. But I'm going to circle back to rates because I'm just sick and tired of talking to people about rates all day long. So when we talk about uh, forbearance and how that's affected kind of the rate market, um, there's that, that's a big piece of the pie, like several pieces of the pie. But there's other pieces that go into um, your interest rate. For example, if you're a cash out loan, 
Cash out means you're actually getting cash at the table. So you may owe $200,000 on your mortgage, but you take out a loan for $240,000 to go buy your wife a new Escalade. Eh, 40 grand is like a used Escalade, okay? So, <laughs> or, or a new Camry, let's put it that way. So that's a cash out loan. You're taking cash out of the table. That loan is not a rate and term. If you owe $200,000 and do a loan for $200,000 and don't receive any cash, you're just simply paying off your first mortgage. That's a rate and term loan. The minute you receive more than $2,000 at closing, it's a term to cash out loan. That loan's a higher risk for the lender. And so you are going to have a higher interest rate or what's called a, a loan level pricing adjustment. And you'll have that same loan level pricing adjustment for a lower credit score or a higher loan to value. In other words, Again, that $200,000 loan, if the home is worth four hundred grand, you you're at 50% loan to value. But if the home's only worth two ten, and you need a loan for two hundred, dollars clearly that's a higher risk and you're going to have some loan level pricing adjustments. So there's a lot of things that go into what your interest rate is. The reason I want to bring that up is because Matt and I talk about this all the time. It's called the barbecue rate. Like some guy calls up and he wants like the lowest rate available so he can... Brag about it at his barbecue, yes. so he can tell all his neighbors, "Yeah, I'm at uh, I'm at three percent." You, you guys got three percent? I'm at three percent on my mortgage <laughs> loan. What's up? I'm not even going to take credit for it. that's Matt's term. But the thing is, is uh, you know, you get some guy who comes in, he's he's been quoted a super low rate, or his brother-in-law or his uncle closed on some super low rate. What did it cost him? You know, like did he did he buy it down? Or did he, was he at 50% loan to value and you're at 85? You know, there's a lot of different factors in there. And again, back to why to use a wholesale broker, there, there's really, it's, it, it's cut and dry. Like based on your situation, credit score, loan to value, cash out, no cash out, it's, you're going to get the best loan that's available and they're not going to try to crank the rate on you to, you know, screw you over, so oh, to speak. Oh yeah. And that's a that's the thing is even with credit scores. Like, you know, like uh there's there's such a difference between credit reporting agencies. You know, I, I love it when people have uh credit karma and they tell me they have an eight thirty credit score. And uh unfortunately that is not always the case. And credit karma, God bless them, they're they're good. I'm not gonna like. I'm not here to bash on anybody who uh, uses Credit Karma or uses any sort of credit score tracking method. However, just know that there are 53 different algorithms um, that track credit scores, and we're we're in the mortgage industry are married to three, and so we have to use those three algorithms to track our credit scores, and then we take the middle of those three um, to determine what your credit score is. And with, like Steve said, with loan level pricing adjustments, according to where your credit score falls, it goes in 20 point increments. So really, if you got a 640 to a 660, 680, 700, 720, 740, 760. After that, I don't care. So if you have an 810, congratulations. That's a barbecue credit score. That is something you can brag up and tell all your neighbors and friends, I have an 810. What do you got? 620. So at the end of the day, it makes a huge difference in those 20 point increments. And if your credit score is a 699, doesn't matter. It's got to be a 700. It has to meet that 20 point increment. And so those are 
big loan level pricing adjustments. And that's why when somebody calls me up and says, hey, what's your rate for a 30-year fixed? Go on. You know, because it's like, I don't know. It could be it could be anywhere from, you know, three and a half all the way up to not anymore, but, you know, like four and a quarter, five percent. It just really depends on where all of these mitigating factors come in, you know. Like Steve said, you know, uh, loan to value, credit score, all these things, and it makes a huge difference. Well, and and one thing that's uh, worth noting right now is with this pandemic, we've we've encountered a lot of overlays, and basically what that means is there's been significant changes in underwriting, and you know, there's some uh, there may be a listener on here who was pre qualified to buy a home, and you know, after, was it March 15th, March 12th-ish, um, these changes started coming out, and they called up and like, hey, you know, I know you pre-called me in February, and now I'm ready to go buy that new condo. And we're like, yeah, you don't qualify anymore. And people are kind of angry. They're wondering why that's the case. Some understand, other others don't get it. And, again, it just kind of all goes back to uh, unemployment being at a very high click Um 17 percent 30 something million americans right now that puts lenders uh uh you know it gives them pause they don't want to lend money when there's no certainty that you're going to have a job or have the ability to repay it um there's other programs that have changed significantly for example if your loan amounts over if you live in salt lake county and your loan amounts over six hundred thousand. Uh, you may have had a loan that you were working on and your loan officer said, yeah, you don't qualify anymore. It's not you. You may have a great credit score. You may still be gainfully employed, but that program's gone away. That's not a program that's offered through Fannie, Freddie, FHA. It's a private investor. And so it's called non-QM, non-qualified mortgage. So through all the Dodd-Frank stuff, they defined what a qualified mortgage was. You, know, you have to reasonably document income. Um, we don't have ninja loans anymore, which are no income, no asset, no job, right? Or, you know, stated income loans, things like that. They have to, you have to be able to document your income to get a loan. Makes sense, right? I mean, you should have a job if you're, someone's going to borrow you money. Don't, don't you have any D lenders? You know? <laughs> so, I mean, there's just been a significant amount of changes and, what I've told my clients, you know, I've been doing this two decades now is be patient. You know, if you're interested in refinancing, if you're interested in buying a second home, you know, down south, if you're interested in buying an investment property and things don't seem like they're perfect right now, it's 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 because they're not. Um, you know, we're doing a lot of business, a lot of purchases, a lot of refinances, but they're for a very narrow scope of borrowers that you know, everything is perfect. They're getting good rates. Will they go down? They might, you know, I think I've said this four or five times in my career that this is the last loan we'll ever do on your house. And like eight months later, I'm like, Hey, uh, you want to refi? You know, rates are three eights lower, five eights lower. So, you know, just be patient. And if you have someone that you're working with, you know, stick with them, just make sure they're a broker and they have options for you and, uh, you know, trust them, put your trust in them. Absolutely. There's a lot of good people out there and I'm, I'm not here to like say that, uh, that there aren't 
that's basically at the end of the day, I had somebody call me up and they're like, hey, can you, what do you think about this quote? I was like, dude, that looks like a good quote. If you like the guy, just stick with him, you know, because I'm going to start over. And he's like, but I like you. And I was like, well, then I'm happy to work on you alone. You know, because let's be honest, I am kind of a delightful person. <laughs> so you you touched on one thing that I, I think probably warrants, um, you know, an entirely different podcast. I know you've, you've done this when you did the, the heavy D checklist. Matt's been on some other podcasts, but I'm really diving into credit, kind of what makes up your credit score. Uh, you know, how do you get your kids credit? Um, how do you protect the credit that you have? What should you be doing if you have a mediocre credit score to improve it? I mean, that's an entirely, and that is of massive value for everybody. doesn't matter if you're a homeowner or not. Maybe you want to get a car. Maybe you want the best credit card you can get. Like that, that warrants another uh, podcast entirely. You know, there's there's all these little things that uh, that we can hit on, and I'm stoked to just kind of get this on a cadence, and you know, I, I guess basically educate people. You know, I, I think we're fairly smart in this small arena. And that's what I say. You know, I I don't know everything, and I know a lot of things, but there's really one thing that I know a lot about, and that's mortgage, and that's how to be a good homeowner and how you can be a good um, neighbor, I have, uh, I have neighbors. I hope they don't listen to this, you know? <laughs> so I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Hopefully, uh, you guys have, have enjoyed, uh, listening to us. Uh, we'll get better. You know what I mean? This is the first run, but, uh, there's a lot of stuff to talk about and, uh, you know, it'll kind of evolve and whatnot, but hopefully you guys have enjoyed listening and I don't know, do we want to talk, do we want to keep going? How long have we been on? Um, we've been on 30 minutes. So I would say, yeah, we're. I'm good with wrapping it up and just saying, you know, it'll be a lot of fun. And, like, there's something about uh, education. It's like, you know, a lot, like people pay a lot of money for education. And this is uh, 100% free. I mean, really, honestly, you can learn a lot of great things about, like I said, being a homeowner, owning a home, your credit, your income, how they're going to look at income. And it's... It's free. Like, we're not charging you to go to a class, and you don't have to get a student loan, and that can be another podcast, um, you know, about anything. And that's, that's the great thing about education is the people who are willing to give it away for free, typically they either, A, really know what they're talking about, or B, really don't know what they're talking about. So they just spew it out there for everybody to grab. Yeah, and it, sometimes... Uh uh, you know, we're, we're in the thick of it, but maybe there's questions or things people want to hear about. Um, so text us, you know, honestly, you can text me straight to my cell phone, 801-897-4360. Hey, that's mine. <laughs> oh yeah. Matt's is 801-860-4360. So they're both 4360. Just one is 897. One is 860. Shoot us a text. Shoot us a text and tell us this podcast sucked. I don't care. Shoot us a text and tell us you want to learn about this or give us two thumbs up or whatever. But, like, I think that um, there's a lot of stuff we could share. We can have a lot of fun with this. So Absolutely. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And, uh, yeah, we'll sign off. Hey, and be safe. Be right safe. Stay, yeah. stay at home. If you're not at home, still stay safe. Yeah. <laughs>